question your MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies to have the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halastic, and I am co-founder of Financing Solutions. Over the last 25 years, I have built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range. And I can't tell you how important it is for businesses to have a line of credit so they can make an investment in their business or even for unexpected emergencies. Our line of credit program is easy to get in place, inexpensive when used, and costs nothing to set up, making it a great cash backup plan. If you'd like to learn more about our line of credit program, please visit us at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Or give us a call at 862-207-4118. If you apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Just remember that the time to set up your line of credit is before you need it. So that way you have it when you do need it. Today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Beate Chalette um, from Chalette Enterprises, also known as The Growth Architect. Uh, Biette is the growth architect and founder of the Women's Code and provides strategy blueprints and results-oriented tangible tools and techniques that unify your teams, get, uh, give you clear steps to improve your business systems and strengthen your leadership skills. A first-generation generation immigrant who found herself $135,000 in debt as a single parent Biette's bootstrapped her passion for photography into a highly successful global business and eventually sold it to Bill Gates in a multi-million dollar deal. She is among the top 100 global thought leaders by People Hum and one of the 50 most followed women entrepreneurs by HuffPost or Huffington Post. Biette, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thanks, Steve, for having me. I'm excited to talk to you today. Yeah, so this is actually the second time I, I, I've had you on. Um, I had you on uh, uh, talking about a different process than the one we're going to be talking today. Today, we're going to be talking about the three pillars of alignment for business growth. And the, the one that we covered last time was, uh, it was called a five-star success blueprint. And I, I asked you to come back on uh, because what I was so impressed with was how simple you made the process um and uh, of of growing your organization of building your team of of being a leader and you know it, it, the problem i think in business is that we, we make things very very complicated right yeah. and and i understand why we all read all these things we listen to these podcasts we watch these shows and you know you get a million uh, ideas a minute, right? I mean, every day you're, you're you're coming up with something new, and it, it's very distractive. Uh, and uh, you you know it it you sometimes just need to do one thing and be great at it, and then move on to the next thing. But yet we don't do that very well, do we? Well, I mean, you 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 nailed sort of the biggest shiny object problem most entrepreneurs have. I call it entrepreneurial ADD. And it is uh, because we're constantly looking how to improve our businesses. And so, as you said, we read, we listen to a podcast and any good marketer or any good um, business owner out there says, get my thing. And that's the only thing you need. And if you only have this one thing, then everything will fall into place. 
I call that BS because I have learned that the thing that you need is the thing that you need at that moment when you're in that particular uh, rhythm of your business or when that is a priority or when that needs to be uh, be updated. And so the five star success blueprint, you're absolutely correct. I designed because there was, you know, whenever I talk to entrepreneurs and, you know, in there, whatever that the million mark, that the two million mark, you know, they want to get through the five to the 10 and then they go and they make it so incredibly complicated. And I say, well, but what's the idea, right? What are we, what are we going to get back to? What's the vision you have? Because that we need to tell everybody about. Well, and then they go into this big explanation. And then I tell them, well, Albert Einstein always said, if you can't say it in one sentence, you don't understand it well enough. And then they go and they go into these complicated sales process and they get caught up with how to compensate salespeople on percentages and draws and, and, and caps and things like that. And I'm like, okay, okay, everybody just calm down. Let's go back to the basics. What's the idea? What's the offer? Because you need to know what the idea is and who wants it so you can sell it to that person. And then you need to figure out what does this person buy that drives what you're selling and how you're selling it. Then you talk about how do I build systems that actually support that. Then you go to your team, says who can do it. And then you look at yourself and you say, am I shifting out of the micromanager, can do it all, king of my business or queen of my business to the actual leader? And then you start all over again. So you're absolutely correct. It's really not that complicated. I didn't say it was easy, but it's not complicated but you must follow the steps. You can't sell before the idea is flushed out. You can't build the system unless you know what the system is being built for. And so that's always been my goal to take these complex processes that get so convoluted by how people talk about it because it's internet marketing talk and say, it's really not difficult. Just, just follow this. That's it. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, listen, I think that's where a business coach is probably the most valuable if you select the right business coach. And that is, you know, a business coach isn't inside your business. And so, you know, hopefully they can keep you on track. The, you know, the problem is, listen, if you have a, a business partner, maybe you guys can play off of each other and stay focused. Sometimes it doubles the amount of ideas you have. But, you know, I always feel that in the early phase of a business, you know, you have this, the, the ideas, but then after that, it's all about execution and execution requires it to be very, uh, uh, focused. And, you know, again, I remember, I just remember when I was first started my career and, and as an entrepreneur, like for the first 10 or 15 years, my, my team hated when I went away to conferences. Because I'd come back with a million ideas, <laughs> right? And I and I'm actually pretty good at execution. So you know, I would go. I learned when I go away, I'd I'd circle three things out of you know out of my pages of new ideas, and I'd say, okay, these are the best three ideas. These are the ones we're going to implement. And and then you know, if I go, if we do that well, then I'll, I'll look back at the other things. Um. So so let's talk about. Uh, the ideas that you have behind the three pillars of alignment for business growth. Yes. So, um, I mean, to your point, I want to just add uh, something to what you just said. 
So I believe that the strategic aspect of how you run your business is critical. I mean, it is the single most important thing. That's the foundation of everything. And so we are, you know, very much like what you said. I, I believe that it's important to flush out everything and to brainstorm on all the ideas you have. I call this like we take the plane and we take the plane to 30,000 feet. We look at the terrain, we look at all the airports in the area and we fly over it and then we decide where we're going to land the plane first. Doesn't mean that you can't map out the trip to hit all of these airports, but you got to start somewhere first. And so that is really the foundation of what, you know, what I build is like, what's the overall strategy that we start with? So the business alignment was born out of, um, as I've been working on this five-star success blueprint, I looked at sort of what what happens when the business grows. So when the business growth uh, ex, you know, starts to accelerate, we are now seeing that these silos are starting to happen, which is the nightmare of every business owner because then suddenly people don't communicate, everybody's so busy, and, uh, and, 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 and you find these pieces in there that are not working together. So I came up with this idea of like, what is it that needs to be aligned for a business owner to quickly recognize where they need to go first to fix it. Because we see this in miscommunication. We see this in a lack of engagement, a lack of retention. We see it with this great resignation insanity right now where everybody's trying to find a new job. I think like over 40% of the workforce are out looking for a job mm -hmm. if they haven't quit already. And the only way you can counteract this, if you have alignment where people are connected to the business, what you do, and if you have a pulse on what's going on. But business owners are freaking out because of all these other issues with the supply chain and the talent shortage and um, access to capital. Thank God you're part of that and helping them uh, uh, to do that. I was was chuckling when you said, get the money when you don't need it, when you can. This is part of what I teach is like, until you, you cannot wait. You cannot wait to ask for money when you need it because nobody will give it to you when you need it. You have to get it when you don't need it because then everybody's throwing it at you. So well, the problem uh, is that until you've been through that process, you really don't know how hard it is to get money from a, like I say, from a traditional bank, right? Oh, the worst. It's, it's really hard. I, I've been through it a lot and you know, my own businesses that I've had in the past. And it is, you know, the things that they want, you know, is, is crazy. And so, um, Anyway, continue your thought process. Yeah, that you so, so, so that was, um, you know, a part of it. So, so business alignment is, has three pillars to it. So the first pillar of alignment is the business development piece, because um, a lot of businesses have this sine wave where they get really busy and they stop the business development because they're busy executing the jobs. And then as they execute the jobs, there's no pipeline. So uh, business development has to be on an ongoing basis and you have to learn how to align this properly so that it triggers, you know, it trickles through just at the right uh, cadence or it trigger it triggers triggles through in such a way that you can grow your business. Because if you if you want to double your business from five to ten million dollars, that's considered a quantum leap. So if you map out a growth at whatever, 10% a year to get to the 10 million is going to take you a long time. But a quantum leap can get you from five to 10 million in what, a year? But 
but you, you'll have to you'll have to map that out. So the business uh, the business development alignment piece has three elements of the five star success blueprint. And the first piece is the idea, the second piece is the offer, and the third piece is the system. So again, you have to be clear what it is that you're doing, who you're doing it for. That has to be aligned with what you're selling and how you're selling it. And then finally, you have to have the systems that support that. And systems are not just systems that we see typically in automation, the CRM, but system also your system of lead generation and your system of how do you find clients? Are you finding them in trade conferences, which is very difficult right now, through your chamber of commerce, through cold calling, a LinkedIn strategy, through podcasting, through you know this technique that we call borrowing other people's audiences by being guests on podcasts what is your what's what's that strategy that has to be built into the system on how you how you go and make sure that you're always in front of people so for my business we choose podcasting as i know you have cho chosen as lead generation because it is you know there's a repetition people keep hearing your name again and again and again you give value which is part of one of the universal principles of success you know the giving principle if you give you will receive so um there you know and for us we you know we also have a linkedin strategy we have an executive roundtable strategy that we use where we get c-level executives on the table to build these relationships and uh, and provide value about current current things that are going on in the market and so these have to be aligned so that's the part of the business development do you want to follow up on any of this because i know you always have a question well, it's not a question, but I do have a comment. I, I would say that I'm so glad you led with business development, which of course is sales. Um, and, and because I think that I'm a big proponent of the idea that if you don't have great lead uh, generation, if you don't, if you don't have anything that can acquire clients cheaply, um, then you don't have a business. Like you, if you get, you can have the best product, you can have the best service, but if you don't have people coming to you, uh, you're, you're going to have a really hard time being successful or growing that business, number one. So I really do believe that sales or I call it lead generation, it's really marketing. If you don't have a great strategy and, and implementation in place for that, it's you're going to really struggle. So I, I, I think that that is, you're right, you're hitting the nail right on the head. Yeah, and, and, and again, you know, I think, and I'm sure you see this as a finance guy all day long, when you see the sine wave, you already know what the problem is. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. that is the problem. If you have a sine wave in the business, some years are really good, some years not so much. And then you go, what do I do that I'm not mastering that? Well, what you're not doing is you are only looking for jobs when you need to find them. And then you stop when you get too busy executing them. And that brings us to the second piece of the alignment, which is then workplace unification. And I call this workplace unification, some people call it inclusion, uh, they call it diversity, they call it all kinds of things. But I looked at it and I said, I don't even want to use those terms because they're so charged right now. Um, but when we look at the workplace unification, at, at what needs to happen on a team level, right? What are the things that the teams really need? Number one, they need to have the systems that we just spoke about that support the teams in doing these 
uh, jobs and in executing on these on these projects. And if the systems are not working, your team cannot perform. So and sometimes it's really simple things when business owners are wanting to 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 save money on something, a productivity tool or something that could really help them, but it's a couple thousand dollars and then they don't want to spend the money, but they don't realize that it does the job of a full person. I see this all the time, Steve, in uh, in project management software. I mean, if you run a business, you don't have a project management software. Um, I don't even know how that's going to work because project management, good project management software is doing the job of a full project manager. Yeah. And, like and- CRM system too. If you don't have a CRM system, how do you stay in touch with your clients? How do you collect information? How do you know what's been going on with them? I just, I, you know, I can't see how you could run a business without a CRM system. Exactly. And yet I, you know, I, I just spoke to a business owner last week and she, and I asked her if she was on what accounting system she was using and she wasn't even on QuickBooks Pro and she hadn't even incorporated. And so I said to her, you know, at the kind of money you are making, this is reckless uh, yeah. to, 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 not, to not protect yourself. So systems, um, you know, on the workplace unification, the second piece of the workplace unification is then the actual team. And here we look at, are you doing mini-me cloning which I'm sure you see all the time where the business owner just wants to hire people that are just like him or her because they are so good at so many different things. Stop it. You have to have a proper hierarchy. You have to pro- have to have a proper organizational structure in place. And, the, you know, and you have to design it in such a way that as you grow, the structure can grow accordingly. And you can find subject matter experts in a specific category. Because it's much harder to find somebody who's like you versus finding a sales manager or, you know, versus finding somebody who can do project management or who is a coordinator or who is a marketing or branding person or communications expert. So, um, and the final piece on these uh, three is the leader has to be, you know, connected to the team. And here I find, and I don't know if you see this a lot. But I find a lot of times that business owners get so busy that they're not communicating properly and consistently. And the danger here is, and that's why we call it unification, is if you don't communicate with your team about what you want them to know, they will get the information somewhere else and you have no idea where that is what they're listening to because we know that media is biased. We know that search engines are biased. We know that if I already have a certain belief system that when I go and search for something, the internet is here to agree with what I already believe in. And if that's not aligned, that's why we call alignment with the company's philosophy. Now you are creating this void of people feeling that they need to be adding more information to their repertoire, but they're going somewhere else. And that information could be contradictory to what your business actually needs. So again, for business alignment, the second pillar is workplace unification, systems, teams, and the leader. Yeah, I, you know, it's a lot. 
It's it's a lot, right? You know, when you're I, I remember I remember what it was like when I started my first company and you know like now this is this is all intuitive what you're talking about for me you know after 25 years this is all you know intuitive in fact what was really interesting is so six years ago we uh, one of the other companies i own is called elite funeral funding and um and my, my business partner we're co-owners in it and we have somebody that runs it but we my business partner and i were so experienced in building companies and we had been doing it for so long that when, when five years ago, when we, uh, well, five or six years ago, when we started Elite, it was, okay, what accounting packages are we going to use? Okay, what's our lead generation strategy? Okay, what type of people are we going to hire? What's their job description? Uh, what's the mission of the, of the organization? Okay, uh, who's responsible for what? Okay, uh, blah, blah, you know, rates, what's our CRM system? Okay, what's the processes for all this? You know, it was like within three months, we got it like up to a point where companies in the past that I had had were, it took three years to get to that point because we just knew all the different things that needed to get done and we got it done super, super fast. Um, so, but I remember going back to my first company where I had a team of like 20 people, I think at, at when I, uh, after about a year and a half, it was a really fast growing company um, that, I mean, I wasn't a good leader. <laughs> um, I didn't know, you know, the three pillars, uh, you know, I mean, even if you just not even put it into those groups, you know, I think I did pre uh, for lead generation at the time, uh, it was a, hiring a salesperson, giving them a phone or giving her a phone saying, this is what we do. Go find it. You know? Yeah. And, and in fact, one of the reasons I became an evangelist when it came from, for, getting leads coming into you was because I was so sick and tired of having to uh, try to find the best salespeople, hiring the wrong salespeople. And then if I hired the right one, being so dependent on that salesperson, I said, uh-uh, now I'm going to get the leads coming in. That way, if they leave, I'm still good. And I don't have to hire as many good people if I have it coming, the leads coming in. But the, 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 the net amount here, uh, based on what you're saying, is the, the, all these steps are just critical to growth, aren't they? Yes, because what you're talking about is really the foundational aspect. And, and when we have built more than one business, and I've built, I don't even know how many business models for how many clients. I mean, to me, this is... This is all, it all has to be aligned with who you are, but these found, I call them these foundational elements. There is no short cutting here or there is no skipping because if on the foundation you are missing the steel and the cement, uh, it can be absolutely disastrous. Or if the, if all the, these pieces just need to be properly aligned and then you are absolutely correct. Once you learn it, and again, I said it was easy. I didn't, I didn't say, you know, it, it, it's not a complicated process, it's an easy process, but it's work. And so oftentimes because we get overwhelmed and we get sidetracked and that's, you know, where you said the business consultant coach comes in, that's what we do is we come in and, and we help business owners 
that are just like all over the place or that are not seeing the results to say, okay, yeah. let's pull it together. What are your three ideas that you need to implement that are the fastest way to the cash? Or sometimes when they're in absolute burnout to say, well, what can we do now to avoid the burnout, to get you back to a balance? What do we need to put in place for you? Um, and maybe we have a strategy where they for six months just need to stay on status quo until we fix everything underneath of them, um, including the communication aspect and uh, building the systems and the processes and making sure that that all runs before we can accelerate growth again. But, you know, I have a client who has accelerated growth uh, dramatically. And so he grew at 3.5 uh, rate over one year, which is mm. considered a quantum leap. The problem is, you know, he's a very strong business owner. And typically as a business owner by yourself, you can get to about a million. And that's, that's, that's how much you can handle as a single person or as a person mm -hmm. with an assistant. Once it gets beyond that, you're done. I mean, you know, then we just need to sit there and, and, and do the stopwatch and see when it's going to happen to you. And because it, it's inevitably going to happen that you burn out and crash. And so he took that to about 3.5 million. And as a result of it, he works 16 hours a day, seven days a week, and he hates his life. And now he's at the point where he wants to crash and burn the plane because he can't handle it anymore because he did not do the foundational pieces. He didn't build the team and he didn't build the systems ahead of time. He only focused on business development and he stuck, he got stuck in business development, but never did the other two pieces. And, and now it's all that's coming in is jobs, but the rest is not working. And so that's the danger. And that really leads us to the third piece of, of the, um, of the alignment process. And that is now we're going into the leadership piece and leadership. Very, very unlike what most people say, it's not just about you. It is about the vision and the mission. So the idea has to be very clear in the head of the leader because he has to communicate it to the team. If the leader fails to be, um, because this, I think, especially today with the new generation, I don't know what you're seeing on your end, but we are seeing a lot, not just with millennials, but specifically with Gen Z, that unless it's about, this is what we stand for, this is what we do for our clients, this is why we're in business, you're going to have a hard time getting your team motivated and having your team show up because they don't want to just have a job. Baby boomers wanted a job that afforded them that white picket fence dream. The new generations don't care about the white picket fence. They care about on whether they're, they feel that burning desire uh, to participate in something that's greater than, than they are. And so, again, you know, on the alignment is, is the leader clear on what the idea is? Does the leader communicate it clearly to the team? And then the personal leadership development this is an interesting piece. I don't know how many times I've seen this, and I bet you've seen this thousands of times, where the leader tells you one thing, and then you talk to the team, and the team goes like, no, uh-uh, no, he's not like that at all. Where the, t where the leader goes and says, yeah, you know, I'm a great leader, and, and they love me, and I'm amazing, and things couldn't go better, and then you talk to the team, and they go, the guy's a jerk, or yeah. she's, she's really difficult to work with. So leadership is not determined by what you think. Leadership is determined by what 
other people think about your leadership capabilities. And if you do not get that feedback, you have no idea if you're a good leader or not. Yeah, well, uh, you want to be humbled, get, get a 360 degree uh, uh, review of what people think of you. And, and that humbles you and it makes you a better leader too. Um, you know, I, I, there's something that I wanted to ask you. Do, you. do you think it's easier to be an entrepreneur, a business owner today than it was 20 years ago? Um, I want to say for me personally, I think it is a lot easier because just, you know, as I said, just having a project management software saves you a full yeah. person. I think it I, is. Yeah. I, I think, I, I think it is because there are, you know, they've made um, owning a business and entrepreneurship, you know, more of a definable science where if you just kind of follow these steps, you're good. You, you, you're, you're going to reduce your risk, right? You're going to reduce your risk. You know, let's, let's use, let's use your example of the project management software. You know, one thing that's amazing about software is that somebody who is really, really good at what you want to do has put the best practices together and then listened to other customers to improve that software so that you have best practices that came from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people when it came to, for example, project management software, same thing with CRM systems, you know, so, you know, that software is one angle of that, but, but just what you're talking about in regards to three pillars, you know, if you took somebody who's 22 years old, fresh out of college, and you said to them, here, I want you to, to implement these three pillars and make sure they understand it. I think that they would really be able to reduce their risk of failure so much greater. Would you agree? I agree with this 100%. I mean, remember when we had FileMaker Pro and then we <laughs> had to figure out as business owners on how to program the damn thing? Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and then we'd be sitting there with the programmer and the programmer said, what do you want me to do? And then you had this like look of fear on your face and you go like, I don't even know what I should be asking for. Okay, so there's a name field, first name, last name. There's an email field. Yeah. And, you know, and as you sort of figured out how the business ran – you added things, but you each each of us had to figure it out on our own until somebody says, that's just ridiculous. How about I'll make some templates and sell that? And then everybody went like, uh, it was a sigh of relief. And then that idea just got extrapolated forward significantly. So it is much easier to run a business today. What is not easier is to have that unique uh, differentiation factor. Yes. And I think that's where a lot of the pitfalls of businesses are that I see where business owners are just so unclear or afraid to say, what is it that makes you stand out? And then because they want, they need the business. So when somebody says, well, can you do that? Then they say, oh yeah, and I can do that. And I can do that. And I can do that. And then it becomes this convoluted, diluted mess of, of non-specific a non-specific business idea. And that's where the mindset piece comes in, obviously, that you and I have talked about in a previous interview, where unless you are very clear about 
what it is that you believe in, then then that's going to be very difficult. And a lot of business owners, and I, I really blame internet marketers for that, Stephen, is they always make it about the money and the toys and the car and the this and the that and the that. If money is all that is the idea for a business, I, you know, I have my, my challenges with that. I find that businesses that are really connected to their vision tend to do a lot better in the long run because the passion is for making an impact, not making dollars. Because if you only make dollars and you don't have your heart, your soul, your purpose filled with something that you're doing it for, then you have the dollars in the bank and you're, you're miserable. So that's probably the one thing in the alignment piece where, you know, for me personally, I, I differentiate myself from other business consultants or coaches that just, just teach the systems and they think the system is everything. The system is great, but the system is not everything. You as a business owner have to thrive in the system yourself. So we have to put you in the center. Yeah, I think um, the thing that I've learned is, you know, I've I've met hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of business owners and become very close friends with lots and lots of people who own businesses. And what's obvious to me is that when you reach certain levels in revenue, it, it you reach those levels uh, mostly because of, of skill set of what you've implemented. So in other words, is somebody who is at $10 million in revenue, right? There has to be some leadership skills that they've developed that they're better at than someone who is at 1 million. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time frame, let's say, you know, same amount of time in business. So, you know, but in other words, the person who's at 10 million, one of the, like one of the leadership traits they have to be is they have to be able to be, they have to be working on the business and not in the business at 1 million. You don't see that the person's still working in the business. Right. And that's fine because they're learning the business from the inside out. They're still growing. Now, when they go from 1 million to 3 million, they're starting to transition. They're starting to transition where maybe 50% of their time is in the business and 50% of the time is working on the business. They're, they're hiring people, that people are taking over responsibilities of what they used, to, what the owner used to do. This is just one example. Yeah. And so, so what I'm trying to say here is, to me, you can go pretty far in business if you um, are just learning a lot about how to grow your business, following these three pillars. If you, if you just walked away from today's podcast and you said, I'm going to start at the first pillar, which is business development. And I'm really going to make sure that we have our processes down, right? And I mean, I would be honest with everybody. I would, I would just hire um, uh, Biette. I would hire her in a second because the fact is, is uh, if any coach is going to be any good, they're going to by far make up for the money that you pay them. And the other, well, I had, a, I had a coach for 10 years. Yeah. Okay. And you know, not only that, not only did she help me stay focused, but she also helped me stay sane 
as well. Because as a, at the time, I was the only owner of the company um, and I didn't have anybody to talk to. So that, you know, to have somebody there to help you think through your, your ideas and get it down to something simple, it's very powerful. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's an equation. It's either time or money. You pay for mm. it either way. And so, um, you know, I sometimes compare it. A growth strategy is not that we all go to a Formula race, a Formula One race, and we all take a, a car. And then those of us who don't die succeed. That's a very expensive way to learn. How about we take some driving lessons with someone yeah. Who, yeah, who knows how to even how to even operate the car, has been on a racetrack before, who you can give you some who, who says don't do that because that would be devast that would be a really bad mistake. So but I believe that, you know, at as you said, at a certain level of leadership, I see it's very rarely I see leaders that have not had a consultant or are not open to the ideas of bringing people on it, there comes a point in your business where you, you need subject matter experts to just help map it out for you. Or, you know, oftentimes the way I describe the process, because I'm, I'm, I'm all about processes and systems and developing a strategy. So I, I see that the ideas are typically already all out there, but they're like puzzle pieces and they're all floating in all these different places. My job is to listen, to take the puzzle pieces and assemble them so that there is a cohesive picture and then turn that into, into a strategic plan and help the business owners or the company to go out and then follow this plan and know what they need to be doing. We had a client in a nonprofit and um, they are at a $25 million company. And they they came to us because they wanted us to help them map out their, their process because they were leading by meetings, right? So the whole team was constantly in meetings to keep each other abreast. And when we looked into it, uh, and I took him through the strategy of how we, you know, how we go through the what's next process, we found that the incoming incoming sales requests went to the customization department that customizes complicated jobs. What do you think happened to every single job that came in the door? It would probably take forever to every get Every single to. job was, 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 was customized. Yeah. And so we, we told them that in the process, they, they tried to start at step three in their systems. They didn't even have step one or two. Yeah. And so we said, you need, you need a, you need a traffic controller in the front who is qualified to send jobs to the right direction and only standardize standardize it. And then you need to build an off the shelf product, which they had, and then have a sales department that the first call goes to the sales department that whose first objective is to sell off the shelf stuff before it goes to customization. I mean, and they didn't see it and there were, a hundred people working there and none of them saw that. And for us, I mean, it took us an hour to figure this out. Yeah. I mean, sometimes what happens is an organization can grow awfully fast and you just lose sight of everything. Right. Because it's not aligned. Right, right, right. That's why it's good to start off your company with these 
processes at first, and then you build the company around. I'm listen. I'm a big process and systems guy. So you're talking my <laughs> yeah. You're talking my language. I right? know, right? You and I, yeah. we're like we're we're like we're like, yeah. we're like a brother and sister but, from a different mother, right? <laughs> yeah, but you know what? My but if you talk to my business partner, he would you know I don't he he you know he kind of doesn't like the processes and procedures. He likes freewheeling a little more, and so that's why him and I are really great. Um, um, co-owners together, you know, we kind of have different skill sets. But that's a, that's a great thing that you say that because, you know, I want to be very clear about this, that the piece I do is only one piece, right? Mm -hmm. This is just about the structure and the foundation, making sure everything operates. But when we look at teams and we look at partnerships, we don't want everybody to be like us. We specifically look for people that are more empathetic, that can connect with people on a really deep emotional level, that are good storytellers, that are fulfilling the pieces that processes and systems can do. Because if people don't want to use processes and systems because they are too heartless, you're toast too. So again, you know, you have to build it with the people in mind to make sure that you know, and again, I had another client, another nonprofit that was at about six million, and they insisted that their processes worked, but nobody was using them. Hmm. And so I said, your process by itself might work, but it doesn't work because your people are not using it. Yeah, it and definitely I said, doesn't so, work. I said, so, so you're going to fire everybody or you're going to change yeah. your process? Which, which, yeah. which, which you think is the smarter way to go about it? And they were pushing back hard. I said, well, you hired me to help you with retention. And so let me tell you how we're going to increase the retention. Let's build a process that's actually built with the people in mind instead of by somebody who never even talked to them. Yeah, let me uh, uh, share some um, insight with you that I that I learned. One of the things I learned is that don't use the word system and process because people hate systems and processes, right? I use the word best practice. Nice. And yeah. And so what happens is when you use the, be- the word best practices and when you actually are like uh, one of the companies I had, um, we, we were really, really good. We, had, we were in the Inc. 499 Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States and really great people I, I had working with me. And um, and what I used to do was make them um, create the best practice for their job. Or whatever they were doing, and so, um, and then we would go through it, and we, you know, I'd say, is okay. Tell me all the steps that you do when you go to do this. Let's get it down in writing, and then let's look at it and see if there's any improvements we can make, and if, and if, you know, and you know, and then see in some cases have measurements, right? And then we would constantly review that to see, are we doing the right things? And are, 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 we, are the measurements correct? Are we achieving the goals that we had inside of it? And so when you change that, that idea beyond, to best practices, you get more buy-in from everybody. And then what's really great about that best practice, of course, because when someone starts and they say, okay, what's the best practices for making a, a call on the client on the phone, right? And you say, okay, here's here is our best practices process that seems to work for everybody. You know, it just completely send changes the tone for how 
people view systems and processes. I love that. I love that a lot because people only buy into that which they themselves uh, collaborate with or where they feel a right. part of them. A part of them is in this. And so language is, is absolutely, is absolutely critical. And, um, you know, we work a lot with Myers-Briggs personality assessments yep. because we need to know how we need to address uh, our, our partners and team members and how we need to work with our clients because um, somebody who is an introvert is going to react very different than an extrovert. Somebody who is an empath will react very differently to somebody who is very system oriented by nature. So we give them the language that they need to understand what we're trying to achieve. And then we help them understand the pieces that they're missing because again, in the, in the alignment, you know, you're only as good as the team that you're able to inspire and the team you're able to get to perform. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head too, when it came to, um, you know, the terminology used. I, I think that, I do think saying best practices in this case versus process and procedures, I think that they are kind of two different things too. You know, um, I mean, one of the other things I think we did very well at was we didn't just document the process and procedures and then, you know, file it away and never looked at it again. You know, we were reviewing that. We would go back at that. And, and again, you know, I tend to be a process and procedure type of guy. And one of the things that I certainly found is people that I, I people that are the doing the work, they want processes and procedures or best practices. They want that, you know, maybe the owners don't want it for themselves, but the people who are on the line, they kind of want to know, you know, this is what I want to do. This is how to do things. This is what the process is. I think, I think, so, you know, I, I, when we were talking before about owners that bring companies to new levels in revenue, you know, we, I jumped ahead about leadership, but really the number one most important thing of going from 1 million to 10 million, you know, in most industries, let's face it, um, is processes, procedures, or best practices. If you don't have those, you're just not going to get there. No. And, and, and the, and the why the why is so simple because if it's in the business owner's head, it doesn't do anything for anyone else. Yeah. And especially if the business owner is an intuitive that does it intuitively and doesn't understand that what he's doing intuitively is a process that he follows or she follows, then that can never be written down. You know, we work, I work with a lot of intuitive business owners where we extracted, I have a, um, only a German can build a process for a system for developing systems. So I have actually a strategy, a product, or, you know, something, you know, that I offer to my clients where I help them build their system. And it's a system to build a system because I have to have, I have to help them to, to, to get their brain power focused so I can extract the information and then help them organize it so then they can go out and say, this department is doing this and here are the 10 pieces of it. And this department does this and here are the 15 pieces of that. And this is how these two interact with each other. And you can only do that, um, you know, if you 
if, if you're naturally wired for a process and system, that's easy for you because your brain spits it out. But most people are not. No, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, yeah, I know you're talking to the choir of me, so I, I, I get it, you know, and I think most, most business owners I've, that I've known and met and I'm very close friends with, very few of them are process uh, systems people, you know, you know, but, um, but there are some converts, converts, you know, believe me that, that they, they see once they reach a certain level and they're working those 60 you know, 70 hour weeks. Uh, and they're like, I can't do this anymore. It's unsustainable. Yeah. Yeah. It's unsustainable. Do you sometimes think, you know, it's actually a question for you that I have. Do you, do you think that from your experiences has something to do with control that they don't want to give control over the baby up? Yes. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And I think that that's, um, you know, it's, uh, but I also think that's a, that's a huge weakness. You have to be able to change. You have to be able to change and improve. You know, entrepreneurship is, uh, I, I, I went to a great lecture once and the guy wrote a book called Leap of Faith. And, and what he said is entrepreneurs are autodidactic. Good entrepreneurs are autodidactic didactic, and that means self-taught. And, and you have to be able to change. If you're not going to change, then your business is going to stay the same size you're going to keep hitting your head against the wall. I mean, I'm not saying I'm great at this either. You know, I'm set. What I'm saying is, listen, I wanted to be in my own business for, you know, for the rest of my life. That's what was my goal. I said, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur for the rest of my life. I don't want to have to work for somebody else. Okay. You know, number two, I, you know, uh, I want to make money. <laughs> I want to make good money. I want to have these simple things in my life that I, that I want. I want freedom. And the third thing is I want a company I'm really proud of. Right now, you, you know, I, I, going back to what you're saying about, you know, focusing on the vision, unfortunately not. I don't think any of my companies uh, ever had this grandiose vision that was going to make it compete or be better than Microsoft or Apple or, you know, they just weren't those they did the ideas weren't unique enough. They were very, uh, one was, um, but you know, you, you gotta have, you, I think you gotta know what you're playing with, right? If, if you're, if you're in this space and, you know, maybe you could get the company to 10 million and 20 million and that's the farthest it can go. There's a lot of businesses like that, you know? Yes. And, um, so, you know, uh, I forgot what your, what was your question again? The question was, is it about control that many business owners yes. are not wanting to surrender or wanting to stay in control? Maybe, and, that's, and the, maybe that's the issue with me. See, like I have, I've always had, um, I had dyslexia and because I have dyslexia, I've always been good at finding ways for things to get done without mm -hmm. me because I, I'm not very good at those things. Things. So I'll find people to do them. And so for me, I don't care. I don't care if, if it gets done by me. I, I mean, I don't want to get it done by me. I want to get it done by somebody else because there's other things that I want to do. I'm much better on the creative side. I'm much, I'm much better on the um, building systems and thinking strategic side. That's where I'm strong in. So yeah. I'm not a control freak. 
Right. And, and that, and that, uh, you know, and let's just add one piece to it. And the reason this is so, so, so very important. It's the only way to sell a business. Mm. The only way to sell a business yeah. is if you built it with, and I love that. I'm going to use that best practices, strategies, processes, and systems where you can hand somebody the book of how it's done. That and only that is the value to somebody wanting to buy your company. I agree with you. And I, th I would add to that. There's two other things. One of them is, can you go away for two or three weeks and your business runs just as good as if you aren't there? And, and if you're there. So, so if that's the case, you have a sellable business. And then the second thing I would say is build your business as if someone else is going to buy it and they're not taking you with it. 100%. Right? Yes. And I think that if you go, like, just like with the processes that we talked about today, the three pillars, mm -hmm. if you start off with that in mind first, it's easier to build something than to come back and kind of apply the three pillars later on, which you can do. It's just easier if you did in the beginning. Yes, correct. And, uh, you know, and as you grow, that is a lot of times where business owners fall short because they don't know or they're too busy. They don't pay attention to it or they don't take that day out. You know, and you said in the very beginning, you said uh, you make it sound so easy. Most of this I'll do in a day or in two half days. My whole processes and systems and best practices for business owners are set out so we can literally hammer this out in virtually in two half days. I don't, yeah. I don't think it gets any easier than that um, yeah. because for that exact same reason that I think if we, if we, if we try to make it too complex or too, too difficult or too daunting, we're not going to be seeing results. But if we go and we identify what needs to be done first, we laser focus on that and we fix that and we take care of that. And then we walk back and we see how, you know, how the structure is changing and how now, how now the workflow works. And then we, do it again and we go in and we fix the next piece. That is the best, the best way I think to address, I mean, in my experience at least on how businesses grow rapidly is because the minute you change one thing, all the other things are changing as well. And you don't really quite know where the chips are falling. I do not believe in hiring these big consulting firms that come in for an entire year because all you're going to end up is with a whole bunch of stuff that is wrong that you already knew is wrong. But by the time that book is out, you know, things already have changed. So go find one thing, fix one thing, wait, see how the chips fall, go back in, take a look, take the next thing, fix that, step back and keep doing that until you really feel that things are properly aligned. That's how we do it. It's all good stuff. Listen, you and I could talk about this for forever, like forever right? Uh, listen, I, I would say that, um, I have a lot of coaches on the show, right? And I, I really think you know what you're talking about. I would, you know, I, you would be my type of coach. So, Thank um, you. you know, just saying that. So, and um, so unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. I would like to thank so very much Beate Chalette from Chalette Enterprises, aka the Growth Architect, for coming on today's podcast. 
If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. Piet, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Well, I mean, if you heard something that is interesting to you, go to uncoverysession.com, fill it out, mention Stephen's name, and say you heard it on the podcast. I'd be happy to make seven complimentary Uncovery Sessions available to the audience, or just reach out, email me at uh, bc at .com. I actually check my own email. And uh, if you have a questions, don't be a stranger. I always like to hear from the audience. Good stuff. And for our listeners, or if you're interested out there, um, I tweet um, at S Halasnik, S H A L A S N I K. And I always tweet daily, every weekday, about business and you know things that I'm working on or something that I read that I said, you know what, this is pretty good. Um, and uh, you know, I've been doing it for a, lo a long time. I think I have over, over, over a thousand tweets out there now. And so everyone, I just want to thank you for listening. And please remember that if you take a step back, sometimes you can take two steps forward. And I think we really covered that really well today. So everybody have a really great day. It's beautiful outside. Get outside, smell the roses. You know, there's a reason why you're running a business is so you can get some free time. And, uh, you know, it's a good time to get out there before it starts to turn winter. Everybody have a fantastic day.